Hello and welcome to HR on the Grapevine, the HR Grapevine podcast that takes an in-depth look at one of the most fascinating, important or divisive HR stories from over the last week. I'm Sophie Parrott, online editor at HR Grapevine, and each week I'll be joined by a different HR journalist as we explore the contemporary practice and most pressing debates in HR. So, join me as we properly pick apart what it means to work in the people function. Today, I'm joined by Dan Cave, Head of Content at Executive Grapevine Digital Media, who is responsible for overseeing content across all of our different news and content brands, and also has a history of great HR scoops. So welcome, Dan. Thank you, Sophie. It's it's an absolute pleasure to be here. In this week's podcast, the story that we've chosen to unpick the HR issues behind is one that made headlines internationally um, about the sacking of the McDonald's CEO, Steve Easterbrook. So news broke on Monday morning that um, Easterbrook was fired after he'd had a relationship with an employee, an act which, according to various reports, violated company policy. It appears that he agreed with this firing, adding in a statement, given the values of the company, I agree with the board that it is time for me to move on. Um, McDonald's also came out and stated that they had had a long-standing rule about this type of thing. So for HR, there are multiple issues to unpick here, whether it's to do with romantic relationships, whether or not they're ever acceptable or even legal at work, and how HR can craft adequate policies that can mitigate against potential fallouts from these sorts of incidents. Um, There are also questions to be asked about why policy around romantic workplace liaisons seems to be a popular way of safeguarding the company brand. So, Dan, are workplace relationships um, between colleagues ever acceptable? It's, it's a good question, Soph, and I think one that actually raises a multitude of follow-on interrogatives about what nature of relationships are acceptable at work, where firms slash organisations slash HR can or cannot intervene in those relationships, what culture that HR or the business leadership are trying to create, and what a firm holds important. Is it profit? Is it its people? Or is it a mixture of the two? And a follow-on from that is what relationships could mean for the real nitty-gritty of everything that modern HR departments are nowadays about, such as performance, inclusion and fairness. Before any of that, though, I think one of the really key important questions is, are relationships between colleagues legal? So in a legalistic sense, could employee A and employee B having made eyes over the photocopier or whatever that is in the Slack, exactly, whatever that is in the modern office, such as, you know, flirting over the integrated cloud system or or Teams or Slack, um, could they quote unquote engage in courtship? And the answer is there actually is no general legal restriction on employees getting together in in a romantic sense. Um, Although there's some things about whether that company has a policy and we're going to talk about that later. Um, Either way, it doesn't really sound romantic at all, but there we go. In fact, um, personal relationships, I think, are to be expected at work. Working hours are increasing, which means people are spending longer and longer with their colleagues. There's this working-life blend. In fact, UK hours are well above the European average when it comes to working hours, so people are spending a long time together. So it's not surprising. Um, And I actually think you've got some stats on employee relationships yes. don't you so yeah actually before today's podcast i did some research to see how many employees are actually engaging in some kind of relationship with a colleague and it seems a lot more prevalent than we may have thought 
Um, so a recent study by Reboot Digital surveyed over 2,000 professionals um, to find out about love at work. I think it was actually in time of Valentine's Day earlier this year. Um, and they found that 45% had admitted that they'd already dated a colleague at some point th- throughout their professional career. Um, and 12% revealed that they'd actually wooed their boss. <laughs> <laughs> so it seems as if love really is in the air at the office at so the moment. So it works the other way too. Yeah. I think that actually raises a good question, Soph, about whether a relationship between a CEO and an employee would be acceptable. So I think whilst some may view CEOs as the faceless financial automatons who think and feel in pure numbers, they do most likely have romantic feelings as well, just like the rest of us, um, or most of us anyway. So would a romantic relationship with a CEO be different to two employees on fairly equal hierarchical standings getting together? Would it be different? Um, When I spoke to the author of one HR book on culture yesterday, he told me that actually what is most important here is, or in this case, is do McDonald's generally find romantic relationships acceptable or not? And as they do not, it's completely acceptable that they sacked Easterbrook because in the long run, it's beneficial for their culture. And in this instant, McDonald's are actually waving goodbye to a man who oversaw the revitalization of their menu, their customer experience, their market positioning, growing profits from $95 billion in 2015 to $170 billion in 2019, as well as overseeing the share price doubling. So from a HR perspective, this is an incredible long game. What they're saying is no one is bigger or better than the company, the rules and the culture, and the rules and policies they do have in place, and obviously do because they've, they've just sat the CEO over it, are there to protect the culture and the holistic performance. Um, I think one reason that it's newsworthy is because we don't see this type of sacking more often um, because there are loads of places which have incredibly bad press regards romantic or sexual relationships and company culture within their firm. Um, but th- I think there is like a change now is that Silicon Valley, for one, are saying goodbye to this brilliant jerks ethos whereby top performers were allowed to do and say as they please and ride roughshod over company policy as they were, you know, making big financial gains or being really innovative, um, which isn't su- to suggest that Steve Easterbrook was a, was a jerk. By all accounts, he was a popular CEO. He's got an incredibly high Glassdoor CEO rating. But what it says, and Colin Ellis, the, the author of Culture Shift, the, the book that I referenced earlier, what he said is that culture belongs to everyone, including the CEO, and they must be held accountable over it. So I think actually this sacking is in step with how firms see culture these days, that they can't say the CEO is above it, that everyone is included in it, and that culture is an incredibly important tool for staff retention, general performance and candidate attraction, all of which form part of the wider employer brand, and that there is a less short-term attitude and more holistic approach to performance and company culture with mature HR departments understanding, understanding the benefit of protecting it and then communicating the benefit um, as well. But anyway, if we go back to the CEO engaging in a romantic relationship with someone lower down the hierarchy, or as you said earlier, employees engaging in relationships with their, with their boss or somebody more senior, if someone junior is, is dating somebody senior, what does that mean for their performance review, their pay review? Um, and that's just for the pers- people involved in that, in that relationship then there's wider impact on productivity, promotion opportunities, equality, could it create jealousy and bitterness at the firm? Um, And, you know, a key HR consideration is what does that impact on productivity and performance of others? Um, 
will they just feel like, what's the point of going for that position or working hard? Because the CEO's lover is going to get that position over me. Um, on the flip side, what if that junior person feels like they can't say no to the amorous advances of a senior person? And this is something that Rebecca Thorny Gibson, partner at City Lawn Firm, uh, DMH Stallard, explained to me was important as it opens up potential ground for sexual harassment claims against the manager and the employer. Um, and so for any firm that haven't had their head under a rock for the last few years, that's a crucial consideration because that makes huge news stories. And that's just the news stories, let alone the legalistic side. Um, so, yeah, I think I think you've got some further notes on the legal aspects involved in this, let yeah. alone the employer branding and company culture, which I focused on, right? Absolutely. Um, so particularly the stats that we spoke about earlier really highlighted the prevalence of work field relationships. Um, and, you know, with preparations for this story, we did go out to a considerable number of legal experts to get their insights um, before publishing the story. Um, and one legal partner in particular t- essentially told us that, you know, the modern day working culture um, and employees spending a lot of time at work, it is inevitable that they are going to have relationships that blossom as a result of this. Um, and in most occasions, these relationships aren't so much an issue, but I guess the plot kind of thickens, you know, when it involves a senior member of staff like you um, were referencing just then, Dan, um, particularly in the case of Easterbrook. Um, the legal expert continued to say that, you know, this when and when a senior uh, member of staff is involved, there are huge dangers of like favoritism, bias, favorable favorable promotional opportunities, um, and I guess just things in general with the workplace culture, which can be very, very damaging over a long period of time if everyone feels that they're not getting equal opportunities. Um, Yet again, from the other perspective, um, particularly just having a quick gander on Twitter, um, you see a lot of people um, commenting about whether or not, um, you know, workplace relationships are acceptable. And actually, I saw on LinkedIn just the other day, um, a recruiter was saying that he didn't think that the offence was sackable because him he actually met his wife at work and you know has like raised a happy family and has been with his wife for a while and actually thinking back to some of my own family members um I can relate to that some of those did meet at work so I guess it just really does show the extent that people can actually meet um partners at work and to my mind as long as the relationship is kept professional at work and the job is getting done I don't see too much of a problem with it um but I guess you know, it is dependent upon the company itself. Um, so, so with that in mind, it might be worth having a HR policy in place to lay the law um, right from the beginning so that employees know what is and isn't expected from them. Um, do you think that this is something that will help employers mitigate the risks, Dan? So I think you raised a really interesting point about um, having policy there. And obviously McDonald's do have a policy on there and they are strictly upholding um the policy with regards to all employees from the top of the hierarchy down to the most junior staff as well. I guess actually one of the interesting things you said about, you know, how knowing some people yourself that met at work and also having a gander on social media to see how people are reacting to this massive news story is that some people might feel that actually it indents on how they um, manage their personal lives mm. and whether it's like, or, you know, quote unquote Orwellian or big brother culture where your employees actually dictating how you live your life. But to come back to policy, um, it could it could help HR departments and employers mitigate against some of the risks um, when employees do involve themselves in romantic relationships that have started at work. 
um, especially ones where people are you know different parts of the hierarchy. Um, there's some stats which I found though. So basically, th- these kind of policies which do have, I don't know what you call them, like a, a romantic workplace rule in them. I guess is the right way to say it, or at least right, right way to describe it. They're really popular in the US, but less so in the UK. Um, and one of the most famous examples are probably obviously this week's news story mm. is that Intel's CEO. Um, Brian, and I just cannot say his second name for the life of me, I'm going to say Kaznich. Um, he, earlier this year, resigned over this ty- this kind of like type of relationship with regards to the company yeah. policy there, so that, that's really popular. Um, Boys Turner as well um, gave us some advice regards to this news story. They're an employment lawyer. And they say, actually, relationship policies at work are increasingly popular, but they aren't like uniform across all employers. And what, it, what they try and, what they say or what they've experienced is that these policies um, aren't to stop all romantic relationships at work per se, but about romantic relationships between senior staff and subordinates. So the Easterbrook case would be like a prime example of this. Um, And they say actually this can benefit the CEO as there won't be questions over their judgment. So are they dating someone, if they're dating someone inappropriate, um, actually what's their business judgment like? some policies might require this this is again from boys turner some might require employees to notify their employer about a relationship so they can note if there's potential conflict um boys turner do say actually this is really important if you are interested in making your own hr policy around this that you can't create a policy post hoc which is to say the policy must be in place before you can't say after the relationship has happened that it's unacceptable like it's got to be there written in stone and applied in like a really uniform manner. Um, and this, I guess, is to stop the company get involved in any potential litigation around that. So I think a really good example was this, was in 2019, um, and I am going to reference the absolute employer-employee relationship nightmare that Uber was, when Travis Kalanick, who was CEO, ex-CEO and founder, sent out um, advice to employees preceding a company party about the relationships they might have. Um, Kalanick sent out an email joking that he would kick the ass of anyone engaged in a sexual relationship with a colleague on a work trip unless they work in different areas of the company or have had consent from that person Um, and he signed off that email and it was an email that he sent with yes that means Travis will be celibate on this trip hashtag CEO life hashtag FML Um, and so whilst this actually does lean into some of what Boys Turner were saying about you know make sure that if you are creating a policy it stops subordinates and seniors um, getting together I guess um and on the surface, it looks good. It does raise questions about how serious you communicate this policy because mm-hmm. um, it appears to be just like policy made on the fly if you're sending it as an email out just before a trip rather than writing it into something that employees have to sign and one that employees may not take seriously anyway. In fact, details about not bailing employees out of jail imply a culture where like there were bad things happening um, and then adding a swear word before saying have a really swear word good time suggests that he wasn't really taking his email seriously and he wanted to be seen as like yeah. really jolly um therefore to like jump back a bit i'm sure mcdonald's and this is where the policy is really important would rather make the news over sacking their ceo because he didn't adhere to the relationship yeah, policy absolutely. than for anything worse to happen which is exactly what happened at uber so that said we don't know if anything would have happened bad at mcdonald's we, did, yeah. we just don't know yet um but it appears that the policy became the new story rather than like yeah. a relationship. I guess that shows that they really want to kind of 
stick to their guns and if they're saying that this policy is uniform and it's been rolled out to all the employees despite the fact of his seniority they need to adhere to that um, to make sure that everyone is experiencing the same kind of standardized policy Um, so I think there are you know various ways to look at this obviously there are huge problems if an employee particularly a junior employee is getting preferential treatment because they're in a relationship with their boss Um, and there are huge possibilities that this could cause many different conflicts of interest at work, um, whether it's to do with information getting into the wrong hands, um, promotions that aren't really deserving, those kind of things, or um, ludicrous pay rises. There are lots of different things for HR to consider. But having said that, as so many different people that we've spoken to have cited, with this always-on culture and um, you know employees spending a lot more time at work, this is a prime opportunity for people to meet one another um, so it is really difficult to kind of strike the balance between what is deemed acceptable and what isn't. But that being said, if you've got a HR policy which lays it out um, and it's completely set in stone and everyone is aware of the ramifications of um, defying that, then I don't think HR can really go wrong with that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And, and, and in this case, as you've just basically led on to, HR are protecting the employee, the employer, and the business, yeah. and the brands. They're, they're doing their job absolutely perfectly in, in this situation because everyone knows the policy, and now the entire world knows the policy because someone's got sacked because of it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for today. Um, but HR Grapevine wouldn't exist without your continued readership and engagement with our content, whether that's through our daily newsletters, monthly magazines, webinars, live events, or market-leading research papers. So, to find out more, or to sign up to our daily content newsletter, which also showcases solutions and best practice um, with all of your HR answers, please visit www.hrgrapevine.com.